All right, if there are no further questions, um, like I said, I have the honor and privilege to be able to share with you guys today um, God's word. And I pray that it's something that today you will hear me out um, as far as what we're going to be discussing for today. Uh, it's not easy, but God's word is never easy. Downright, it may come off as even offensive to some of you today. And to be quite honest, the Bible is offensive, and I would say that it is beautifully offensive. Um, and I pray that we're able to get to that same point where we come into agreement, not on what my words are, but what Scripture says and what Scripture means on these topics. So before I jump into this, I do want us to, to pray a little bit. Um, I certainly need it, and I pray that God prepares your hearts as well to receive this message today. So let us pray. Father God, will you be with us, um, be with me to, to share your word with your people and also to open all hearts and minds to your word? Because God, we so desperately need it. Take aside what our thoughts and our feelings are on the subject, on the matter, and let us really know what you have to say. Put me aside, God. Put my biases, put my judgments, put all that stuff aside, Lord God. And allow us to be able to just hear from you and what it is that you have to say to your people on the matter. We thank you, dear God. Be with us all. Have open hearts and ears to today's message. Amen. So, before we even dig into um, what we want to talk about today, we need to be on the same page about the Bible. We need to be on the same page about Scripture. If we are to discuss very complex, controversial issues, we must be able to separate our thoughts and feelings from the truth of the Bible, and we must be on the same page of where we are coming from. A lot of times people have arguments of how they feel about certain things, but it's not rooted in scripture and they're not on the same basis. The reason why there's so much friction at times is because we're both arguing about things that we don't necessarily even believe in. So today's a gut check to ourselves of what does the Bible say and do we truly believe in what the Bible says, contrary to what our unique experiences may have been in this world. So I want to be able to, 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 to share with us you know, some facts and some truths that the Bible is, in fact, the Word of God. Right? Because if we don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God, then we will not trust what is in the Bible. Point blank. Right? If I, but if I truly believe that Scripture is the Word of God, then though I may disagree with some things because of my limited understanding in some cases or because of what I've experienced, I will submit to Scripture. I will submit to God's Word. Not no man's Word, but specifically what God Himself has said in His Word. Amen? So, a couple points. Scripture, in case you have any doubts on the accuracy, on... on, on, on on the authority of, of scripture, I want you to know that scripture is historically accurate. When we take aside faith for, for whatever reason, we put that to the side and we just look at the Bible, and we look at the things in the Bible, 
there are things outside of the Bible that, like historical books outside of the Bible, that have also um, spoken of and have not contradicted what's within the Bible, right? So historical facts, like you think you see things like Caesar, right? Um, people like that, actual Roman empires, a- actual, you know, Persian empires, all those things were actually there. The Jewish people, all these different countries, they were actually there. Those things that are mentioned within scripture are mentioned in other places as well that are not Bible related, that are not faith related, right? Completely different people writing these things. So scripture is historically accurate. In case one of the arguments against is that, hey, well, how can I trust the Bible when it's so old? There's been all these different pieces and things like that that may not even be correct, right? How do we know that what we have here is not just what people threw in there themselves as opposed to what God's word has been revealed to people? Then that gets us to the next point in that there are over 5,000 manuscripts Manuscripts, just a little piece of scripture, right? That 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 are found. And you can tell that people kept writing these little pieces here and there, right? Over time. Now the Bible spans over thousands, like a millennia of time. So it was a story of time, from the beginning, right? Of of God's relationship with the Jews, pretty much even before that. You know, Adam and Eve, all those things are mentioned in there, as told through Adam, as as told by God's people. Um, having the the Old Testament and the New Testament. But to come back to that, there are people who are writing these these manuscripts, but between the New Testament and the Old Testament, that spans over thousands and thousands of years, all right? Millennia, right? That we would say. So, um, one thing that I want us to note there is that of those 5,000 manuscripts, some of them got were, were, were missing in action, right? Some of them are still being found here and there, right? We have the, 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 the lost sea scrolls, the dead sea scrolls, all those things, right? Don't need to bother you with that. But it, just know that there are lots of manuscripts that are being found. And as a result of that, um, when those manuscripts keep coming up, those manuscripts have not resulted in any major revisions to the actual Bible that we have today. So it's crazy that the Bible that, we, that, that has been compiled today, right, these 66 books of the canon, right, and as far as how we got the 66 books is not where I'm getting into today, but what we have as the canon, right, um, is pretty much, um, there have been no major revisions to it, okay, um, since we've had it for so long, right? Um, and then also another point in case you're still not convinced about the accuracy of and like the importance of scripture that it's not just some man written book right the bible has had thousands and thousands of prophecies that have been fulfilled you look at all the things that have happened in 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 the world the one of the biggest ones being you know prophecy over the messiah right Messiah was prophesied all the way back to Genesis time, right? We talk when we look at Abraham. Abraham was told that that um, that that his seed, right, would essentially be father. He would be father of all nations through that one seed. He wasn't talking about seeds. He was talking about just one seed, and that one seed reflected Christ, right? So I don't want to get into that part, but essentially, just know that all these prophecies that 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 were told within the Bible have come true, right? It's been fulfilled, 
So the Bible is a fulfilling prophecy book. And then also another point of this, that, that to me really convinced me, right, as to why should I even believe in the Bible, is that the Bible has so many eyewitness testimonies. People saw Jesus, people walked with the Lord, people interacted with him, and they wrote down what their interactions were. We have the places like the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where you have eyewitness testimonies from the disciples of Jesus. Now, one, one may say, oh, maybe these people all just got together and they decided that they wanted to, you know, write a book and talk about their friend Jesus, right? The reason why I would caution against that and my argument against that would be who would do something like that when their lives is on the when their lives are at stake these people who had eyewitness testimonies who wrote these gospels who wrote different parts of the bible they were people who all, all the all, the majority of the disciples right about 11 of them almost all of them were beheaded were crucified were killed in some sort of way were martyred right only one of them lived to full term Right until God called him home, and that and that was the the one whom Jesus loved, which was John. Right. So why would some and even in these in 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 these situations, if you wrote something that you didn't believe was real, if you wrote something that you didn't see with your eyes, when somebody threatens you with death, when somebody threatens you with martyrdom, what would be your response? You would most likely say, "Okay, y'all, hold up, I was just kidding, right? I I was just playing." I didn't mean those things. Jesus didn't walk on no water. He wasn't no Messiah, right? You would just be like, hey, I'm just playing. But these people gave up their lives because they saw what they saw and they understood that they had had an encounter with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So Bible has eyewitness testimonies. One guy says, I believe the witnesses that get their throat cut for what they wrote. And that was by this guy called Pascal. Um, another point on here is that the Bible's authority is timeless. Bible is, the authority of the Bible is timeless, right? The Bible has not been able to be, um, destroyed in any way. It's been there for thousands and thousands of years, right? The people who counter against the Bible, they always end up dying and passing away. Nietzsche always, Nietzsche, one famous atheist always came by and said that, you know, God is dead, God is dead. And then there's a joke that goes around saying that after Nietzsche died, God came by and said that Nietzsche is dead, right? God is timeless. He exists outside of time, outside of the confines of our understanding and knowing that um, the Bible's authority will continue. Jesus says within the word that, you know, all these things will fade, but his words will never fade and his, fades will live, his words will live on forever. The last point on here about the Bible, oh, Two more points. Um, sorry, the last point here about the Bible is that the Bible is a supernatural book. Okay? The Bible is a supernatural book. It's not some regular book. This is why every time I encourage you when you guys are reading, I always encourage you don't treat it like any other book. Right? Sit down with it. Be quiet with it. Get to a place where you're taking down notes and, and before you even read it, pray about it. Right? Ask the Holy Spirit to really reveal to you the secrets and the truth to make things clear to you and give you understanding because you can read something yet if you don't have understanding then what's the point right um so those are the 
some of the things I want to point out as far as the accuracy and the truth of the Bible. So hopefully I answered some of some of your questions as far as um, how do I know that this thing that I'm reading, that this Bible here, these 66 books that were put together here, it's just some something that man decided to put together to bring down, you know, what I really want to do and how I really want to operate in life. Okay? Any questions about that before I kind of step into the second point of this? Is this helpful so far? I don't know. Just give me a thumbs up or something. A thumbs up is going to be a praise God type of thing. <laughs> All right. I'm glad this is helpful, Stephen. Praise God. Um, so then another point here is that the Bible does not contradict itself. Here's one of the things, the arguments a lot of people make, that people say that the Bible is always contradictory. Well, in here, it said that, you know, women should be quiet in the church. In another place here, it's saying that women should be praising and should be teaching the younger kids, right? So which one is which? Clearly, the Bible is contradicting itself. When we read the Bible, a lot of those things are ha come up because of um, a lack of understanding and reading of how we interpret scripture, okay? And when it, whenever we read the Bible, the Bible must be understood and read in the proper context. So we must know who the author was speaking with. We must know what was going on at, at that time. For something to, in the Bible to apply to our time as well, or sometimes other people say, you know, things that, that stuff that was going on, it was just stuff that was for those people at that time. You know, it was just for the people at the church of Corinth. It was just things that were happening with the people at Sodom and Gomorrah. It was just things that was happening to the Ephesians, right? Paul wrote, Paul clearly wrote this book to the Ephesians. So why, how is it for everybody, right? So it doesn't apply to me. It was just for those folks. Now, my answer there is that it depends. It really depends. And that's why I said the Bible must be understood and read in proper context. For something to apply to our time, here in 2021, within the Bible, for it to apply to our time, there must be timeless truth across all time, and there must be harmony with other parts of Scripture. So those are your two tests, right? When you're reading something within Scripture, you ask yourself, this thing that I'm reading here, is there timeless truth across all time, and is there harmony across different parts of scripture. So what do I say when I say timeless truth, right? So for example, um, within um, the Bible, you know, it'll say in different, in, in, one, in one part, that God um, so loved the world, right? That, that, that he gave up his only son, only begotten son, right? John three sixteen. One could say that does that only apply to what John was saying to the people at that time? The answer there would be no. The reason why it would be no is because we see going way back to Genesis and in so many other parts of Scripture that God not only says that in John 3.16 through John, but he says that in other parts of Scripture as well. So we know that in, 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 those, part, in those earlier parts of Scripture, Right, God has been saying that He loves us since Genesis, and that was thousands and thousands and millennia before. 
and we get to John's time, and God is still saying the same thing. We get to Revelation, John is, 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 is still being used around AD 90 to say the same thing, right? So the, clearly there must be this, time, this truth of God's love for, our, for his people that is timeless, Okay? So in that sense, you say that, okay, this thing clearly applies to us. And then there's harmony across different parts of Scripture as well. And it's, and, it, and it's made it through time. So those are the things that you can ask yourself. And also kind of doing a little bit of research. I always encourage having a study Bible because, hey, I don't get everything. I have to read through things. You know, I'm not the smartest cookie around, right? So I need to be able to understand um, what is going on and what was the context behind some things. For example, another one is when you when, when the Bible talks about um, women um, not not adorning themselves with earrings and 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 adorning and but adorning themselves with you know pretty much uh, character traits, right? Um, like the women of old used to do, and then Paul says this within the Bible. But then in other places of the Bible, we see that clearly the people wore earrings. Right, so do are both of them wrong? Is there a problem? Is that a contradiction? It's not a contradiction, because in one sense, God is telling you know Paul is telling people that hey, for you people here in particular, your focus has become, I think this was in Timothy, but he's saying that for you people here, your focus has become focusing on your outward appearance, right? That Paul isn't saying that having outward appearance is bad, right? Paul is just saying that your focus should not be on your outward adorning, but it should be within the heart, right? Your beauty should be stemming from your heart and what is and, and, and what is within. And it, then we ask ourselves, okay, beauty from within is that a timeless statement? And we see that it is, in, because we see that within other parts of Scripture too. That God, that God, God, God looks looks not at the, um, at the physical side of us, but looks at the heart of man, right? And He judges from the heart. Um, so when you add all that together, when you when you when you do that test of um, timeless truth across time and also harmony across different parts of Scripture, it really kind of helps um, clear up some of the confusion that we may have as we go through Scripture. And also share it with other people as well and let people know that um, it's important um, to be able to look at the Bible and Scripture within the context of what it, what it was written, when it was written, and to whom it was written. Or else we end up applying some things that may no longer apply or that don't necessarily apply to us in this day and things that may have been written for those particular people in that day. Okay? Now... Before I continue to step three, I know we have just a few minutes left, so we'll probably need to do a part two of this. Um, but before I continue into step three, anybody have any questions? Okay, if there are no questions, then I hope that I have been able to put in front of you um, an understanding that we're on the same basis about the inerrancy of scripture, about the authority of scripture, right? About the Bible being accurate for us and the Bible being relevant for us, depending on, um, you know, these truths here that I have shared with you, okay? 
So if we are now all on the same page about what the Bible says, about trusting the Bible, the, the, the question for you is, will you stake your life on this book? Will you stake your life on the Bible? And I ask that because many times in life, as you, as you grow up and, and you go through certain things, and you go through certain places, you will be challenged for your beliefs. You will be called, you will be hated for your beliefs. You will, be, you will be asked to choose a certain way, a certain path, based on what you believe in. So will you stake your life on this book? By staking your life on this book, by staking your life on the Bible, you may lose certain job opportunities. You may lose certain friends. You may not get admitted to certain programs because of the way that the world wants you to believe in certain things and promote. So that's a question for us all here today. I'll give a little teaser into what the message, because I, I wanted to be able to talk through it clearly here, but we are almost out of time. But um, the question for us to, to, to mull over over this weekend, honestly, um, and, and this, this coming week, is will I stake my life on this book? Will I stake my life on the Bible? Regardless of what that means for me, especially knowing that that's going to bring something that um, is painful to me. I may lose some friends. I may go through some things. But if I truly trust God, will I trust God to be with me even when I go with his word and people go against me because I've gone with God's word? That's the one thing to think about for this week. So, now that we have that kind of squared away, I will be fair. Um, I'll take just a few more minutes and then we'll close today. God willing, we'll do a part two. I'm not sure who's teaching next week, but I'm going to beg them to see. Um, if this Was this something that you guys would like to continue in terms of discussion? Please give me a thumbs up. If not, we can cut it here and um, <laughs> never discuss this again. I only got one thumbs up, so everybody wants me to to cut this off. Is that a yes? Is that a no? <laughs> okay. We will continue, God willing, next week. But what I really wanted to kind of prep you guys for, and the reason why I needed to to talk through the Bible and really get us to be on the same page about the Bible is because when we discuss controversial issues, we are often to put the Bible aside and insert what we feel into what God's Word truly says when we put things to the test. So we are in a month, this month here, of Pride Month. And you guys all know what Pride Month is. Anybody, thumbs up, we know what Pride Month is. If you're not familiar with what Pride Month is, if you don't know what Pride Month is, please give me a check, all those things. All right. So Pride Month, um, as we are in right now, is a time of celebration, a time of recognition for gay rights and LGBTQ rights. Um, so that what LGBTQIA spans through a lot of different spectrums, a lot of different things, and it's more complex than what we're going to be discussing here today. But what we want to be able to understand is, okay, we see what the world says about pride. We see what the world says about sexuality. We see what the world says about gender. Um, 
then what does God say about it? Right? And knowing what God says about it, if we believe this Bible that we're reading and we stick our lives on it, are we willing to be able to be in a place where we are where we may even be referred to and hated because of our beliefs in God's word concerning this particular topic? Now, one thing that I'll note, right? So what we're going to be discussing and going into is talking about sexuality, talking about Pride Month, and talking about um, being able to prove it across scripture, right? That um, God's creation and God's intention for man and woman um, in terms of how we relate w- with one another is something that is timeless and is something that is um, harmonious across the Bible as well. And being able to, to share that truth, um, regardless of how it is that we may personally feel about it, we want us to be able to understand the inerrancy of Scripture to be able to give that to God. Okay? Um, so we're going to be discussing that, but then also not just that, but also how we as people... As, as believers, how we respond to those who do have same-sex attraction and also how we, are, how we should respond, how we may have failed people who are in the LGBTQIA group and people who, who, who struggle in this area. This is a very sensitive area because it's not, it's not black and white. The issue is not black and white. It is very gray. And I feel for my brothers and sisters, I know many brothers and sisters who struggle in this area and I think it's important for us as believers to be able to identify and acknowledge ways in which we can assist and be uh, a, a, a brother and a sister um, in a loving manner to people who struggle with same-sex attraction. Um, I think this is something that we've never really discussed in the past, um, but I think it's something that is critical and important for us to go through and at least know so that because we all know somebody we all know somebody who either identifies as a homosexual or somebody who 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 struggles with same-sex attraction right we all know someone so clearly it's not something that's just outside of our sphere outside of our realm but do we really know how to respond do we really know how to care for that person in a loving and in a wonderful way in a way that god would be pleased with right so that's where we're going with this and also, you know, leading as well with some, some tips and tricks that, that can help you in terms of um, how we relate to one another um, and all of those things. So the question always comes up as, why talk about just this thing here rather than all these other type of sins, right? That's always what comes up is why just talk about sexuality in this way when there's so many other problems, right? There are people who are sleeping together before marriage. There are people who are um, doing a whole... There are people that, that are just wilding, Right? I don't, do people still use the word wilding? I hope so. If you, if you do, put the give me a thumbs up or something. Just let me know I'm not that old. But, you know, there are other things that happen as well, right, that we understand and we acknowledge and acknowledge that it is also sinful, right? I'm not, but acknowledge that we have talked about some of these things in the past around sexual immorality between people who engage in sexual activity before they get married, right? So we touch on everything, right? And we're not here to shy away from anything, but we're here to learn together. And it's important for us to understand these issues and how we go about. So God willing, um, we may take a break for this coming Saturday. Sorry, this coming Sunday, because it is Father's Day, I think coming up this Sunday, next Sunday. But um, 
either we will discuss continue our discussion then or we will continue the following week on this so we'll recap this really quickly whenever we do discuss and then also kind of jump into me explaining how it is that we go about this and also hope and how we can help our brothers and sisters who struggle so if you do enjoy that if, if, if you found this helpful you know please keep that in mind and mull over the one question that i gave you which is will you stake your life on this book will you stake your life on the bible will you believe in what god says even if it's contrary to what we feel may be right because one thing about our feelings guys is that our feelings can be flawed and our feelings are often based on what it is that we have been pre-exposed to and what our disposition is to things in life so i'll cut things there i hope you guys find this helpful as we continue um learning with one another and i want you guys to all be sensitive to this topic as well so i'll close this out in prayer and then i'll open for any questions that you guys may have okay let us pray heavenly father thank you so much for allowing us to be able to open this topic um god it's certainly not easy but believing in your word is also not easy we ask you to help us to have faith in your word we ask you to help us to be able to deal with the things that we don't quite understand and have trust in you lord god that you have made things in a way that um in a way that is um right in your eyes lord god help us to acknowledge that and help us to be able to to just obey you lord god god i pray for everybody on this call anyone that is struggling or anyone that has a friend who struggles with same sex attraction lord god i just pray for them that your mighty hand will be with them that they know that they are loved by you and that they are cared by you they are cared for by you each and every single step of the way that god you don't leave them hanging um so many questions that they may be having god please give them the answers help us lord god who are on the other side as well to be loving people and caring to those who struggle um and help us in our own struggles too as we are so broken in our own ways in our own sexual brokenness lord god will you help us to be able to overcome the challenges that we face ourselves to be able to be closer to you lord god and cultivate a much more closer relationship with you so god we thank you for today we love you we give you all the glory honor and adoration it's this in jesus my name we do pray amen